0: As we continue on in Mark's Gospel, if you would this morning turn to Mark chapter 4. We will be looking at two brief parables that Christ gives in Mark chapter 4 verses 21 through 25. Listen carefully to the holy infallible word of God. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought into be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made made manifest nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we... can't help but think of our Savior as the light of the world. What a gospel it is. And we ask, O God, that our hearts would be overcome with the light this day, casting out the darkness of our sin. We ask, O Lord, that we would see Jesus in Christ's name. Amen. Perhaps as we come to these next parables, you recall, like I have in my childhood, a favorite song that we sung in Sunday school And or in vacation Bible school. At times, even I can remember holding candles. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Oh, hide it under a bush. And as the children shout, no, (laughs) I'm going to let it shine. Of course, The idea for us as children is that the light represents Jesus and the good news of the gospel in which we wish to shine before the world. This view of the light is truly present in this particular parable. But we must also understand that Jesus is addressing the coming of the gospel of light in his own person, in the history of redemption and revelation. I hope that we will come to grips with this truth as we move forward this morning. So as we follow Jesus' introduction this morning, To open our ears to hear the parable of the lamp and the parable of measure. We want to see them in the flow of Mark's narrative. Are these parables beginning in chapter 4 verse 21 being addressed to the twelve and the others around him? Or has Jesus returned to preaching before the entire crowd? If we glance over to verse 36 in chapter 4, we notice that Mark once again mentions the crowd. In verse 36, we know Jesus is leaving. He is departing from the crowd. So are we... Think that he was talking to the crowd once again here in verses 21 all the way into verse 34. Or to repeat, is he just speaking to the twelve and the others around him? As you would expect, scholars have different opinions. Some believe that Jesus is once again addressing the crowd. Others say that there is not enough information from the text to conclude one way or the other. While still others believe that he is continuing to preach and to teach only the twelve and the others around him. Although I do not want to be dogmatic on this point, I lean towards the viewpoint that he is addressing the crowd as well as the twelve and the others. I I suggest this directive because there seems to be a continuity between verses 33 and 34 and verses 35, and 36. If you look at verses 33 and 34, Mark makes a distinction between Jesus speaking in parables to them, key phrase, here in the crowd, and how Jesus privately, key word, explained the parables to his disciples. In fact, since these parables are the largest amount of content with respect to Jesus' preaching and teaching in this first section in Mark's gospel, it seems fitting to conclude that Jesus spoke his evangelistic gospel of good news to the whole crowd leaving them perplexed as to what the secret of the kingdom of God is all about and what it means. At the same time, only his disciples were informed eventually of the correct interpretation of the secret of the kingdom found in these additional parables. Since the parables presented from verses 21 through 32 are provided without Jesus' interpretation, I think it is safe to assume that Mark is presenting these parables as the gospel of good news, being proclaimed to the crowd, to the world, to the visible church. So that others, like those who came around Jesus, recorded there in chapter 4, verse 10, will also hear the word, repent, and believe, so they receive Jesus' infallible interpretation of the parables. But in terms of Jesus' infallible interpretation of these parables, in verses 21 through 32, an issue arises. Mark does not record Jesus' infallible interpretation of any of these parables. We are told only that Jesus privately explain these parables to his disciples. So how are we, the reader of these parables, going to understand them correctly without Jesus' interpretation? Well, let me make a few observations in response to that question. I would think that question would be a question that you yourself would be asking here as you look at the text. First, although we admit that we will not provide an infallible interpretation of these parables, we who are here today have a finished gospel by its author, Mark, in which the kingdom of God is clearly presented in the life and ministry of our Savior. Mark has provided a complete document in which we can comprehend the revelation of Jesus's gospel of the kingdom. Second, we now live in the fullness of time. The revelation of our Savior is absolutely complete to the church and to the world in the books of the New Testament. There is no excuse for any person who has lived on the face of the earth to repent and believe the gospel of God found only, only in Jesus Christ. This point is clearly affirmed towards the end of the book of Acts, when Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles and to the world, says to Festus, before King Agrippa, those Roman leaders, that the suffering Christ and his resurrection was not done in a corner. Don't ever forget that phrase. Was not done In a corner. Acts 26, verse 26. There's no excuse. (laughs) It's been there. With the complete revelation of the New Testament... We have all the material necessary to understand these parables in Mark chapter 4, 21 through 32. Thirdly, return to our context in Mark. Jesus has provided the directive in understanding and interpreting the parables when Mark records Jesus' interpretation of the parable of the sower. Specifically, Jesus is giving us the directive of how to interpret metaphors. Symbolic and figurative language as God's revelation comes to us and parabolic stories. The reader, you, the church, has the intelligence to interpret scripture with scripture. To attain the basic meaning of any parable. As the flock of Christ, will you not accept Jesus' sa- challenge to his apostles and the others who came around him in chapter four verse ten? Look at four thirteen once again. Notice what Jesus says. Jesus asked them, Do you not understand this parable? The parable of the sower? How then will you understand all the parables? If you can't get this one, how are you going to understand any of them? Jesus proceeds to provide the interpretation for them. It is the model. Jesus' interpretation of the parable of the sower is the model concerning how the apostles and his church are to approach all the other parables. Since Mark does not give us Jesus' interpretation of the other parables, we, Christ's people, Are to get in there. (laughs) You're to get in there and wrestle with their meaning for the sake of enjoying the benefits of the secret of the kingdom. Yes, that evangelistic message of good news. Grounded, fulfilled in the person and work. Of our Redeemer. So here we are. Here we are. If you possess a lamp. Where do you put it in your room? (laughs) Under a basket? (laughs) Of course not. Do you put it under your bed? Of course not. You put it on a stand where the lamp is visible and its light gives radiance throughout the whole room. The intention of the light is so its light will shine. Specifically, it is the intention of God to have the hidden, the secret of the kingdom of God to be seen, to be revealed. If Mark is placing us before the crowd once again, It is not surprising that this is the lead parable, is the lead parable in his continuing narrative. The parable states clearly that the secret of the kingdom is right in front of you, right in front of you. The hidden, the secret of the kingdom is. Jesus. It's Jesus. The secret revelation that has been hidden throughout the Old Testament. History is now revealed. The revelation of God, hidden throughout the ages, is no longer hidden, it is not under a basket. Is not under a bed. The light is fully visible, and his words of eternal life are within the domain of your ears to hear. Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, the son of God. The son of man. Mark has already identified him. In the previous three chapters into this fourth chapter. This person is no longer a secret. Because he and his word as the light of the world has Come. The history of God's revelation has reached its peak in the coming of Jesus upon the landscape of history. The temporal realm of the natural world has reached its peak. It does not get any better than this. Nothing, once again, nothing is the same since Jesus came. The supernatural, the spiritual presence of the second person of the Godhead has invaded the creation with the message of salvation from sin and eternal death. Jesus' invasion of Jesus into the creation is underlined by the verb that comes, that that Jesus uses there in verse 21. You will notice there, if you look at verse 21 carefully, you will notice there that the ESV has translated the verb as brought in your text. The ESV's translation conveys a common understanding upon the verb. That is, that a person brings, brought the lamp into a room. Note the ESV is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket. However, the Greek word literally means... Arrive, come. But for some translations, this literal view of the verb does not make sense. A lamp does not come into a room. Does a lamp have legs? What's the last time you saw a lamp have legs? It just comes in, walks into the room. <laughs> Lamps don't walk into the room. So what happens here is that they decide to put this type of more common understanding into this translation. You bring a lamp into the room. Congregation, to grasp the full impact of this parable, we need to stay... With the more literal translation. Come. Arrive. Jesus is preaching in parabolic form. That he. As the lamp. And the light. Of the supernatural presence of God. Has come. He has arrived has invaded the creation, the room, so to speak, as the personal revelation of the kingdom of God. Verses 22 and 23. The secret of the kingdom is now unveiled in the person and word of Jesus. Do those in the crowd Have ears to hear? Do they have ears that will allow themselves to actually hear with hearts, with hearts of repentance and faith, so that in Jesus their sins are forgiven? Today, today is the day of salvation. The crowd cannot delay. No one today can delay. The phrase, "Lit him here is is an imperative from Jesus. An imperative that commands repentance and faith right now. Don't delay. Now, this imperative has eternal significance. The gospel has more importance than anything you hear. It has more importance than anything you hear. Your favorite music, the news, a political speech, the roar of the crowd when the Mariners win the World Series. Maybe we better skip that one. (laughs) Are you listening? If there is any doubt in your mind that Jesus is passionately concerned about listening to The gospel, then you need to closely hear how Jesus transitions to the very next parable before you. He says to the crowd, Pay attention to what you hear. Verse 30 24. Jesus is giving a solemn warning to the crowd. He continues with an imperative command Pay attention. Pay attention. You must be active listeners as you hear Jesus and his word preached and taught. Your eternal destiny depends upon it. You see, just hearing alone is not important. But how, but how you listen in mind and in heart, brings dramatic, effective change in your life. I was asked numerous times by people outside the teaching profession, especially over the last 10 to 15 years of being a professor at college. What is the attention span of your students? How engaged are they in the classroom? Are they listening? You can understand where that question was coming from. The question comes from the influx, <laughs> the addiction to social media. Can students be attentive for a whole 50-minute course, class? I noticed in those last 10 to 15 years, actually... Students, for the first time ever I had not ever seen this before students not taking notes, just staring in space. There was only a few of those. But the thing that I did notice is that students would stare in space, constantly. And note-taking wasn't robust. So what did I start to do? (laughs) It was interesting how you start to capitulate (laughs) to that which is around you. So what I started to do, because I would see students sort of staring in space, is I started to use this line. I would come to a point in my lecture and I would say something like this you may want to get this down because you might see it again. (laughs) Meaning, (laughs) meaning that's going to be on the test. Then all of a sudden, boom, the pencils come out. (laughs) Okay. And they start writing. (laughs) The attention. I had to start using that phrase all the time in my lectures. Otherwise, it was space. I can give many more examples and talk for a long time on that issue, but I will just let it lie there at this point. Here's Jesus, congregation. Here's Jesus. Are you listening? Are you hearing? As Jesus goes into the parable of measure. This parable relates to the productive word of the gospel. Which Jesus spoke about being sown on the good soil and generating fruit. 30 fold, 60 fold, 100 fold production. Production. Fruitful response to the gospel must accompany the gospel being believed. The gospel has to be lived. It has to be lived in the people. Living a responsive, sanctified life in Jesus must be rich and profound. There is an eagerness and joy of being alive in the era when the kingdom of God has now been revealed and is presently rooted in Christ's flock. You are not in the Old Testament congregation. You are in the New Testament. Jesus has come. You're supposed to be excited. The kingdom has come. Jesus has been is here. The revelation has been made full. The gospel has been given in measure to you to be actively used through the power of the word and specifically to the application of that word by means of the Holy Spirit. And yes, for those who have received this precious gospel in your heart and you are acting and living in it through word and spirit, more more will be measured to you. Isn't that exciting? (laughs) Both verbs in Jesus' communication, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you, are passive. Jesus is clearly accenting that the fruit that will be blossomed Blossoming in your life, in your person, and flowing out of your heart is all the productive work of the word of the gospel in Christ through the Holy Spirit. The the one who is truly in union with Jesus and the kingdom will be given more but the one who has not truly come to everlasting repentance and faith in Jesus, what they have had will be taken away. Verse 25. Herein, Jesus is further defining the lives of the first three Illustrations of the parable of the sower, those who fall away from the gospel of good news. So I ask you this morning how is the light of Jesus, his gospel, the secret of the kingdom? That is now revealed. How is that shining. In your life. Is the measurement. Of the fruits of the word. And the spirit. Abundantly increasing. In your life. Are you truly hearing? Are you truly listening to Jesus? Or is your spiritual involvement with Jesus what we call selective hearing? Like a classroom. Just tell me. What is on the test. Meanwhile. My heart is somewhere else. Everywhere else. In the natural world. Around me. Hopefully. Hopefully. In faith. Your life. Our life. Are fastened to Jesus. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, it seems that Christ is very repetitive in the parables. He has to tell us again and again that he has come. That the secret of the kingdom has arrived. He has to ask us once again and again, do we have ears that hear? Are our lives truly Tuned in to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And is our faith exuberant. And the fruits of the spirit abundantly exhibited in the way that we live. Oh by the spirit of God. Put that upon our hearts and in our lives. In Christ's name, amen.